you are listening to the Periodic Table of People podcast. I'm your host, Nebo Mahoney, and welcome to the show where we explore what really makes a chemist. Hey guys, welcome back to the show, episode number three of season two. I'm very excited to be here and also to welcome my next guest, Dr. Michelle Tierney. Michelle is the Chief Scientific Officer and Co-Founder at Simsys Medical, a medical device company based in Galway, which specialises in pulmonary care for terminal cancer patients in particular. I'm going to allow Michelle to go through and explain exactly what they do because of course she knows best considering it's her company. Michelle kind of takes us through her career journey in general in this episode and she has such an incredibly interesting and diverse career profile so far in her career. She started in undergrad, moved on to a master's in the University of London and then came back to Ireland to pursue a PhD and she then went to industry. She loves learning and eventually moved into the medical device industry before founding her own company with her co-founder in Galway. I know for me in particular, Michelle's story is really, really interesting because I think for a lot of us, particularly in the sciences, there's so many opportunities for kind of spin out companies and to merge your research and a business into one. And hearing directly from I suppose a leading business owner and scientists directly about how she developed the company and what the day-to-day roles and responsibilities and the kind of outlook um, look like for her and the company is just incredibly interesting and I think really valuable to anyone who's kind of maybe questioning their current path that while Michelle's career path makes completely logical sense when she puts it together now maybe at the time it didn't seem as self-explanatory so without further ado I'm going to start our episode please welcome to the podcast Dr Michelle Tierney Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Michelle. Really delighted to have you here. And I suppose just for our guests who are listening, would you like to just introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Thanks, Neve. Yeah, my name is Michelle Tierney. I am the co-founder and the chief scientific officer of Simpsons Medical. We are a very early stage medical device startup based in Galway. Fantastic, fantastic. And I'm sure you've quite a long career journey to get to that point, a very exciting opportunity in your life. Would you be able to kind of take us through your background from like school and what you did in college and then I suppose the start of your career before you started this medical device company? Sure, yeah. Um, It's kind of been a bit of a windy path, but I wouldn't have had it really any other way, I guess. So I've always just followed my interest in everything that I've done. So I guess going back to secondary school, obviously in different secondary schools are restricted to certain subjects, but the two subjects I was able to pick and I wanted to pick were biology and geography because they're kind of based in, I guess, the natural world. And at that age, my my strongest interest was in anything got to do with nature, how the body works, that kind of general area. And actually I found biology and geography quite similar in some ways, whereas some people love biology and hate geography, 
or, or vice versa. But I actually found them very logical areas to understand because it was like the world around you and you can see see it. Completely. So to be honest, any other subject in secondary school, I really had little to no interest in, to be <laughs> honest. And I wasn't overly academic either, but those two subjects, I just loved reading. So like when I was studying for the Leaving Cert, all I studied was biology and geography and I pretty much ignored everything else. <laughs> yeah. So then when it came to deciding, well, number one, whether I would go to college or not, I really didn't know if I would be cut out for it because, as I said, I, I wasn't very academic. But then decided that I, I really did love kind of biology and science in general. So yeah. I guess I started looking at a lot of different courses. Marine biology was an option at one point, a few others, but I decided on pharmaceutical sciences in Athlone IT and, and went for that. And again, the reason behind picking that particular degree was, I guess, it was set up that you would, I suppose, eventually work in a place like Elan, a pharmaceutical yeah, company that was yeah. based in Athlone at the time. But I didn't look at it from the perspective of what job would I get out at the end of it. It was more, I saw the subject areas, I saw the modules, and I liked all of them. They all dealt with, you know, developing drugs that are going to treat a condition in the body. And it all came back to, you know, that understanding the body and, and treating yeah. conditions. So I said, I'd do it and let's see where it goes. And I loved it. I really did. But I did realize as I came into my third and fourth year of the degree that, you know, I wasn't interested in the end goal of, you know, working on a production line, if you like, actually making the drugs. So I loved learning about how they were being made and what they were, <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily interested in, in the actual making of them. So kind of in my third, early fourth year, I started looking at, you know, I, I knew I wanted to continue in academia at that point. Again, yeah. still, I'm not, I, I wasn't academic, but I love studying. I was very curious. I still am a very curious person. I just love learning about new things and came across an area called pharmacognosy, which is okay. essentially nat natural product chemistry. It's like another name for it. And there was a master's in the University of London. So I guess it was the master's, the area covered, but it was also the draw of London. Yes, and even <laughs> definitely. Though, going from Athlone to London like you couldn't really get uh, two totally different places so again very nervous about whether I'd be cut out for it um, and then but I had in my mind's eye you know that I might like to do a PhD in the area so I said I'd do a master's first see how it goes so that went really well again like if I liked biology I loved the area of like pharmacognosy like even more it was just right up my street it was you know looking at the natural world and how product, like drug products are derived from the natural world to, to treat conditions. So it really ticked all the boxes for me and I could study that all day long. So eventually I went on to do a PhD in the same area, but it was back, back in Dublin with Chagask. And that was, again, it was in the area of deriving natural products from seaweed to treat hypertension. Uh, okay. So I found that really, really interesting. I, did, I found the PhD itself challenging. It was definitely another step up from doing the master's. Uh, <laughs> definitely more on a solo run, but um, yeah. really enjoyed it. But I guess why I then moved from academia into industry at that point was I just found academia kind of slow paced. And I, I think I realized whilst I was doing my PhD that I like faster paced environments yeah. so kind of seeing results quickly if you like maybe being a bit impatient with, with <laughs> you know like things in the lab are slow basically and that's, and that is just the way it is I guess but I kind of wanted to be in a position where you know I was maybe being challenged on a daily basis a little bit more maybe getting a sense of like the business world as well as yeah. academia. So I found a role in a in a clinical research um, organization 
it was called pharmacologist and it was basically developing training material for clinical trial staff so okay. I guess still now and obviously then as well it's, it's not that long ago it's probably only eight seven or eight years ago when I took up that role the, the goal of the company was to move clinical trials away from being largely paper-based to okay. digital-based so that the training that the clinical trial staff would take would be online rather than paper-based okay. and the, the ultimate aim was to make clinical trials more efficient and save pharmaceutical company costs and the specific area we were around was um, creating the training around how the drug would work. So creating a 3D video of how okay. um, the drug would work. So we were responsible as pharmacologists for essentially draw, researching the drug, drawing up a script. And, and we used to call ourselves like movie directors, you know, like <laughs> science movie directors. And it was honestly, um, it was the most amazing job because each project was only ever three or four weeks long so okay. there's quick turnaround you were always like every three or four weeks you were onto a new drug a new condition learning how the condition manifested itself and learning how that drug would treat it and then turning that learning into a treated 3d animated video so it was really really interesting and I guess then how I went from that into like the medical device space is whilst yeah. I was at Icon was the name of the company. Uh, they're an Irish-based clinical research organization. And basically, whilst I was there, most of the projects we got were pharmaceutical-based, so um, looking at drugs. But then they started to get in medical device projects. And I found that space even more interesting because you know, what medical devices can do. And then, you know, medical devices that are so tiny that they, they can go into the body and treating it like tiny levels and all of this stuff was just, it was like, you know, a whole other world to learn about. And I thought I would do, you know, a part-time diploma in that area. And there was one in NUIG at the time that you could do on Saturdays. So I said, I'd do that. Just so then for any other future projects that came into the company that I would be more informed about. Yeah, That was the, the aim. But whilst I was on that diploma program, I found out about an innovation program in NUI Galway as well called BioInnovate. And the goal of that program is to take in people from, various different backgrounds so from science engineering business clinical other technical areas and put multidisciplinary teams together to effectively go into the the clinical area so generally typically hospitals but other clinical spaces as well and see what problems are out there and then try to solve them come up with a solution with a medical device like honestly it was like how you know, it was like a dream. It's like a dream yeah. kind of role to be in. It wasn't a job, obviously. It was a fellowship, but like it was kind of just like, again, ticked all the boxes of, for me, being in a clinical area, you know, collaborating with doctors, patients, then trying to come up with a solution. It was just, you know, you kind of could, you could kind of be creative in it as well. So yeah. it was really, it was really great. And then to work with people who had, you know, there was a doctor on our team who had years of experience. We had a very experienced R&D engineer. And then we had a guy with a, like, you know, 20 plus years of, of commercial experience. And I was, used, I was used to always being, you know, through my PhD and as a pharmacologist, working always as scientists. And you don't, and you think you're different to other people, and you are. <laughs> At the same time, when you're with only scientists, you do realize actually, you know, we are in a bit of a bubble. We do all mm -hmm. think quite similarly. And then to go into a team with engineers and uh, clinical person, and, and particularly the commercial people, you realize, wow, yeah. like, you know, there are such a 
variety of different perspectives of looking at an area and I found that part of it really interesting but basically lucky enough and again the idea of, of going on that bioinnovate program was kind of like as a career break to get more knowledge in the medical device industry and then maybe go yeah. back into my old job because my okay, old job was okay. kind of kept open to me as a pharmacologist but I thought as a career break and that I'd probably go back into a similar area back into industry but found a particular clinical need that myself and my current co-founder Tim Jones were particularly passionate about solving and yeah. then and then that just set the ball rolling for us applying for funding from Enterprise Ireland and then eventually, you know, creating our startup that we're in now. So a windy path, but again, I think the common theme that runs through it is I never thought too much about, well, does this relate to my degree that I did? And and does this relate to my PhD? Am I wasting my PhD because I'm now going into a different area? I just always followed what I was interested in. And I continue to do that because Whenever I'm doing something I'm not interested in, it's a chore and it really becomes yeah. like a job. Yeah. And I don't feel I don't feel what I do now is like a job. It's like yeah. something I like it <laughs> not doing and I happen to get paid for it. And it's 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 a dream basically. So amazing. That's effectively, yeah, the the kind of my career journey to today anyway. <laughs> Fantastic. And I suppose you've mentioned your medical device company with your co-founder. Would you like to kind of go through briefly what that company, the idea behind that company is, just so that I suppose the rest of my questions for you make sense to our listeners? Sure, yeah. So the, the need that we identified during BioInnovate is a condition called a malignant pleural effusion. And that occurs generally in late stage cancers. So, and it's predominantly breast cancer, lung cancer. So cancers in, in, in the thoracic cavity effectively. And it's where there's fluid outside of your lung, but inside your chest cavity. And typically there's only a few mils of fluid there that your lungs expand into when you breathe in effectively. And it also creates, you know, a kind of a, a potential for your lungs to move into and, and, and aids in the dynamics of breathing. But what happens in this condition of malignant pleural effusion is because of inflammation caused by cancer, mm-hmm. fluid then occurs, it fills that space and it could be sometimes up to two to three litres. So wow. those, yeah, the, those litres of fluid is effectively, it's pushing in on the lungs, but it's also pushing down your diaphragm. So okay. you've less lung capacity, but you've also less of your diaphragm basically to allow you to create that, that breathing okay. dynamic. Okay. So basically patients get a feeling of kind of not being able to catch their breath they can kind of get very anxious there can be pain associated with it so considering these patients are already you know probably have terminal cancer this is an additional burden on their quality of life and it is it is a quality of life issue at the moment this condition can't be cured and that's probably because the underlying cancer it Mm -hmm. can't be cured if it's terminal so the goal in this space really is by improving quality of life and so what we come up with is basically a catheter based product that I guess addresses what the, there is a current catheter on the device that drains the fluid and allows the patient to drain that fluid at home so the device is inserted in the hospital the patient goes home and they can drain it at home but we did identify whilst we were on the BioInnovate program a number of issues some of them relate just to the usability of the device itself mm-hmm. Some of them relate to the look of the device. So a lot of, and and sometimes I don't even like to call them patients because they are just people who happen to have a condition because they're not at that stage, they may be at home a lot. So, you know, they're just, they're just people at home with this condition. 
but they don't like the look of the device, you know, being rem- by having it, by having a tube, it reminds them every day that they are, you know, sometimes a patient, I guess. So we've addressed the, the design of the product to make it more comfortable, look better, but also perform better as well. So there is the what well, one of our goals is that the device will be inserted, but hopefully be out again within 30 days because it will have effectively dried up the space and in okay. inverted okay. commas. The current devices don't do that. They can be in place for up to 12 months. So there's a multitude of issues that we are addressing with our device that the current device doesn't do. But I guess without going into all of the details, what we're effectively doing is just trying to improve their quality of life and give them more independence. So allow them to use the device without having to rely on the care or or a public health nurse. And and there are also healthcare savings that come with that independence as well. So Mm -hmm. by not needing a public health nurse, obviously then you know, there's cost savings with that as well. Um, so that's it in a, in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, brilliant innovation with really, I suppose, moral impacts for the general public, especially now when cancer cases are so high and how many people are going to encounter in their lifetime, definitely future rollout of that will be very important. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, people have terminal illnesses, but they still live for quite a long time. And during that long time, they could have multiple interactions with the healthcare setting. So Mm -hmm. not only is is it first and foremost important that their quality of life is improved, just so that they can, you know, see out their their final year or two in the best way that they want to do that. But also by limiting their engagement with the healthcare setting, then that frees up other resources um, for other people who, who want and need them because a lot of the time they're interacting with the healthcare setting but that could be avoided if the, if so if there was something available that allowed them to do that better at home this is an area i think you work in that a lot of people kind of dream of being able to merge their science background with a business so i think your kind of day-to-day structure and your roles and responsibilities as uh i suppose owning a company in simple terms uh would be really interesting to people yeah, I think the first thing to say is there's little to no structure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as somebody who, again, like traditionally, I would have been like, you know, the end of the last day, I will be setting out my next day and, you know, so on and so forth. But you just, you kind of have to let some of that go, I guess, in the sense that things pop up. So you might have two or three meetings in a day and then you plan to use your free three hours to do x y and z but like the morning starts and before you know it all of those three hours are filled and you just have to go with it because a lot of the time it means that you're getting somebody else's time that you might other if you don't take that opportunity there and then you you might have to wait longer or whatever but yeah it's such a mixed bag in terms of you know there's meetings with partners who are helping us for instance run pre-clinical trials or clinical trials we could be meeting with our clinical mentor so we have a clinical mentor in Galway but we also have one based in in the US who basically we're also getting feedback on the patient Mm -hmm. experience we work with patients themselves we work with patient groups and like most recently the most the the thing that took up a lot of our time probably from November to quite recently is hiring so we were lucky enough to secure investment before Christmas which has a the the core of which is to basically build our team and then you know further product development to get it approved and I guess in some ways that is allowing us to bring structure because up until up until basically last August it was just myself and my co-founder and we were doing everything Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to be a chameleon you have to be willing to do everything (laughs) and anything and learn and again that appeals to me and 
in terms of learning new skills and kind of satisfying my curiosity to say, you know, what else can I do? What else can I try? <laughs> but at the same time, when you're building a startup, you do have to start bringing structure. So our mm-hmm. first hire was a project manager yeah. and she's been amazing to bring structure. And then we've hired an R&D lead. We've hired a regulatory person and then some other people on the, the R&D team as well. So kind of as the months go by, there's different priorities. So mm-hmm. I think now our main priority is around the regulatory side and getting approval for our device in the US. I think that excites some of our listeners, though. I feel like a lot of people's fear when they do a science degree is they'll end up doing the same thing every day. Yeah. Whereas at least you're very much giving the picture that every day is a new day and there's a new something going on. So I'm sure that'll appeal to a lot of people listening. You said you've kind of had a, a winding career path in a sense, although it did sound very logical. Each like step really led you to the next one. Mm. The highlight of your career so far? I probably say, oh, it's tough one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's so many highlights to come, which is probably the most exciting thing. But I think just the first thing that has popped into my head there is when we were on the BioInnovate program, one of the things that we were given the opportunity to do was to go over to the Mayo Clinic, which is one of the top cancer centres in the US. And we went over there for four weeks and the idea was to conduct clinical immersion. So basically going into the interventional pulmonology department. So they were... Mm-hmm. They were the department most dealing with, you know, issues of the lung and, you know, where we were going to see. Because that's our, I should go back a little bit, when every team in BioInnovate is given a therapeutic area and ours was intervention of pulmonology. Okay. So it was within that space that we chose our need, obviously, which is related to the lung as well. But the, I think, the firstly, it was a highlight because when I was in my previous job, when we were looking up uh, conditions that we weren't familiar with our go-to reference was the Mayo Clinic website so because it was so dependable and trustworthy and then it was like in a way it was kind of like a three a full 360 if you like to yeah, first my previous yeah. job was like imagine going to the Mayo Clinic and then you know in a matter of years two or three years I'm in the Mayo Clinic and it was honestly it was so surreal but it was the highlight was the fact that you know there was doctors there at the top of their game willing Mm -hmm. to give their time we were supposed to just shadow but they did so much more than that you know they used to include us in their um kind of meetings where they discussed patient cases obviously you know all anonymous and also we were given access to patients again once they gave their their permission but like the patients again they were there they have terminal diagnoses given their time to speak with us so that they could better not themselves but to someone else you know down the line and I think that was whenever I have a tough day and you know as much as I love my job you'll always have tough days I just have to think about that time of those patients given you know telling us about their experience and it's often hard for someone to verbalize you know obviously they're in hospital but to actually verbalize their path and what they would love to see in a device that they don't have access Mm -hmm. to and then you know us trying to work towards creating something that that they could have had but obviously they're they're not going to see it but hopefully future patients so yeah I think that that has been the biggest highlight so far for me yeah a real full circle moment yes oh yeah pinching myself people are just so incredible yes oh they are and especially you know again like the clinicians what they have to 
endure every day and yet still mm-hmm. my time for us um to to let us pick their brain basically it was amazing incredible incredible you seem to have i suppose said yes to a lot of opportunities that have come your way in your career i feel like that's kind of my main take home of your kind of career path thus far has been you've just been really open to any opportunity that came mm-hmm. your way mm-hmm. Do you have any kind of tips and tricks for students to kind of find their path? Yeah, God, I, I actually never would have looked at it that way. I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't consider myself a yes person at all. Like, because I overthink things all like, you know, <laughs> if, you know, the decision, for instance, to go by renovate, like I was like, saw it, went for it. I was like, there's no way I have the experience because I know I had zero medical device experience. I had done a diploma yeah. um, in medical device design, but I just kind of said I'm nothing to lose, you know, and, you know, I just kind of thought the recruitment day itself sounded it was like a full day. It sounded really interesting. I said, sure, I go do the recruitment day and see what happens. And I think maybe not having that pressure then on the recruitment day itself probably comes across, you know, and kind of in certain questions maybe allowed me to kind of answer as authentically as I could because I, I didn't maybe I didn't put any pressure on myself there was zero pressure to and I thought if I don't get it this year I can go another year with more experience but in terms of tips I suppose I would say one thing I found interesting particularly when I was in the in industry was the idea of having like five-year and ten-year plans yeah. Um, you know where will you be in five years ten years and I never I never had that I I kind yeah. of thought 18 months max two years is what I would think mm-hmm. maybe just from a practical point of view you know in terms of you're renting you know you always want to make sure you have a job but like in terms of of trying to plan and create a path I yeah. never I never got that and I never did that now for others it might be different and and maybe they feel you know that's what helps them achieve what they want. But as I said earlier, I just feel follow what's what I'm interested in. And that has never yeah. set me wrong. And even if that means in terms of tips to students, you know, if that means you've done your PhD and you've you've completed it and everything, but you actually go, I'm not that interested in that area anymore, like cut ties with it. Like, you know, you have learned something. You probably have, you know, you've had an experience, you probably learned about things about yourself you didn't know you know three or four years before you started yeah. it so it hasn't been a way I wouldn't look so maybe sometimes people look at it as a waste if you don't go on then to get a job in that area because you've spent three or four years on a PhD mm-hmm. but it hasn't been a waste you have learned something about yourself and don't yeah. be afraid to move into another area because it again like what I things I've learned in my PhD might not have been about that particular particular subject area but other yeah. things I learned about myself are useful today so um, you know everything everything is in there somewhere and will will come out in later life and it doesn't matter if it's not in you know for for me natural product chemistry like it, it doesn't matter I yeah. don't feel it matters <laughs> just kind of as I say follow what interests you at that moment in time fantastic yeah I I definitely mirror that that your PhD doesn't need to be what you need to work in definitely the transferable skills that you develop in your PhD like I know I'm a different person to what I was this time like four years ago and it's purely down to the PhD and having to rely on yourself and your own abilities like it's such a learning curve in itself yeah there's a resilience that you get from doing a PhD that you you might not get if you were to go you know straight into working in a big team where you know you have loads and not to say you don't have support in a PhD but PhDs can be lonely and you do have to dig deep sometimes just to kind of keep it going so yeah um, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that would be kind of my tip anyways just follow follow your your interests and what you're passionate about 
Brilliant. Thank you for that. My next question for you is what is the biggest challenge you faced thus far and how did you overcome it? I would actually say it was my PhD, to be honest. I found my PhD a slog. Like it, it really did. And I think what got me through it was other people around me. So because I think maybe I put a pressure on myself initially of, you know, I have to do it. It has to be me. It's my PhD. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I had to do all the work, but like I, I could not have finished it without the support of other people in my lab. And because, as I said, I, I'm not naturally academic. I'm a hard worker, but I'm not naturally academic. So I would have needed help in certain areas. And I got that. And that kind of saw me through. But like, you know, there were times during the PhD where I was like doing the same experiment for three, four months and getting no results. And like, as I was saying area, earlier, I like to see results quickly. And I just yeah. kind of thought. I it was like Groundhog Day and I I really I really struggled with it at times and uh yeah I was delighted to eventually get it done <laughs> but uh yes yeah, so that was my biggest challenge but again I'm, I'm glad I I considered at times of just like walking away from it but I'm glad I didn't mm-hmm. and I saw it through because as I said I think there's a learning of I realized how resilient I could be by by yeah. completing it and and the importance of having people around you as well to to help you out and kind of looking for that help is always important as well yeah I feel like everyone who's ever done a PhD has thought about leaving it multiple times (laughs) (laughs) I won't ask you the five years question because you've already said you deal in 18 months to two years so what are your future plans um going forward my future plans are to be with Simpsons Medical for as long as I can because obviously there's always you know the team will change we have investors now so there are other stakeholders you know you start out with it's you know myself and my co-founder team's idea but you take on funding and then you take on investment and those people have a stake and they have a say so I obviously still have a say as well but I can't predict the future but I would love to be still involved with Simpsons Medical for as long as it makes sense for me to be there and then I'm as long as I'm still enjoying it but outside of that I just want to be, I love the area of palliative care that we're in. I like the the psychology of it. And maybe I don't have time for it at the moment, but maybe in the future, you know, maybe look into the psychology around, you know, supporting Amazing. people in palliative care or just being in the space. I think as long as I'm in the area, um, I just found it, I find it so interesting. And there has been a major lack of, I think, research in the space of, of kind of, treating is probably but managing managing symptoms in palliative care I think it's yeah. it's something that hasn't been looked at and I think we're going to realize we're all going to realize that all of us are going to live longer with like chronic and terminal illnesses I think you know Completely. just because just it's terminal again as I said like you can live very very lo- long yeah. time with a terminal diagnosis and I think we need to make sure that people have a really good quality of life and that we keep them out of healthcare settings as much as possible. Because what we're trying to do became even more relevant with COVID because people mm. obviously with, with late stage cancers will be more susceptible to infection. So straight away, you know, all of the doctors that we deal with were like saying to the patient, stay at home, you know, we'll do as much of your visits over the phone you know, just talking to them about their symptoms, how they're feeling. And, and only if it was essential for them to come in, did they go in. So as a result of that, we started looking at a, a, an app that supported our device wow. as well to enable remote monitoring. So that's something that we're working on as well. But as I say, I think in terms of future plans, as long as I'm 
in this, this space and, and hopefully trying to like have a positive influence on it, I think I'd be happy. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, my last question for you today is one that I ask everyone at the very end of the podcast, just kind of sum up and it's what is your definition of success? Yeah, I think, I think it's for me anyway, it's being able to follow my passion mm-hmm. and being challenged at the same time. I always need to be challenged in some way. I have to feel like no, I'm not quite there. No, there's another yeah, another yeah. bit of, there's another <laughs> bit of development to happen there. And doing that, but hopefully not, you know, sacrificing my personal relationships in terms of neglecting, you know, family, friends, and also in terms of, you know, trying to keep well myself and, and maintain good health. Because yeah. for me, because there's been times in the past where I have been all about what I'm passionate about and challenging myself, but neglecting other areas and maybe not being particularly healthy in the process. Yeah. But I think it's all about balance. So, so all of those things really balanced. In a, in, I, I don't know if I've got there. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm probably not there. I, I think that the health side of things, I probably could be eating better and, and exercising better. But I think, uh, you know, I'm always trying, I'm always mindful that I need to kind of keep it balanced. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on this evening, uh, Michelle. I really Thanks, appreciate man. your time. And I think it's your career has such an interesting perspective. Like, I just don't think it's a career trajectory people expect when mm-hmm. they graduate from their undergraduate. And I think it's so important to hear that, that like, it's like almost lifelong learning that you're promoting and that you took, went to your undergrad and then you went to a master's and then you did a PhD and then a diploma <laughs> that you didn't just stop at level 10, I think is pretty impressive too. Um, so it's just great to hear your your career journey thanks Neve. no i really i really enjoyed please rate review and subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms including apple Podcasts, spotify google play and wherever you get your favorite podcasts would like to thank the royal society of chemistry outreach fund for their support and funding for this podcast as well as the school of chemistry in ucc for their encouragement involvement and support Please reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, or wherever you use your social media platforms and give us any feedback or comments you would like um, to develop the podcast with us. We're really here to serve you. So we really look forward to that feedback. Uh, Apple Podcast seems to be the best way to help a podcast out at the moment. So any ratings and reviews on there will be hugely appreciated, guys. Until next time. (laughs) 